One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. One, two, three. They all come from the unknown north. Talent drive and a pride worth paying for. Just because they're above the 49 parallel It doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate them just as well So give it up to these Canucks Because our self-promotion sucks And if they all went away, we sure would miss them The Canadian star system Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Canadian Star System, a podcast where we shine a spotlight on Canadians known round the country and round the world, and then they share the spotlight with another Canadian that they want the world to know more about. I'm your host, Steve Patterson, and I had a delicious sandwich earlier today, but enough about me. Let's get my producer and co-host on here, who, as far as I know, also enjoys a good sandwich. Time and again, Diana Francis. Hi, Diana. Hello, Steve Patterson. This is true. I will eat a sandwich. What is your favorite sandwich? I think my favorite's got to be grilled cheese. Grilled cheese with a good can of tomato soup. They're just, it oh just God. just gets right to your childhood. Some Childhood or your senior citizen years. <laughs> like that's like a, I, I sometimes forget you're 82. I know. I mean, you're I, a, I look you're great. A youthful. I'm a very youthful. You do look great. Youthful you 82. Great for that. I do want to take you back though. You uh, jumped ahead of me a little bit here. Let's go back to your childhood, and in particular, childhood music. Mm. There's a reason that I'm getting to all this, but do you have a song that you remember from your childhood that, that conjures up a memory? I do. I have two, and one of them is not appropriate to say on a podcast like today, but my I have a brother <laughs> okay. who's 13 years older than me, and, and when I was about six or seven, he thought it would be hilarious to teach me the lyrics to the rodeo song. The rodeo okay. Well, it's 40 below, and I don't give a... Got a heater in my truck and I'm off to the rodeo. And I was six, didn't know any better. And I wanted to do show and tell for my parents. That did not go well. (laughs) (laughs) 
Your brother got you in trouble. <laughs> totally. Uh, but the other one, like the it. other one that I really loved was um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Bang, bang, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, we yeah. love you. I love that. I, that just one of my favorite songs. That sticks to the roots. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Steve? What, what do you conjure up? My mom always sang me two different songs when I was, was little, which were not t- necessarily children's songs. I just remember that one was about the, uh, the ant going up a rubber tree plant. Oh, yeah. Everyone yeah. knows an ant can't eat a rubber tree plant, but he's got high hopes. I think Frank Sinatra made it popular, but- <laughs> The other one that she sang me was an Al Martino song called Daddy's Little Girl, which is weird because I'm a little boy, but we've discussed before that she really wanted a little girl, so she sang me that song. Oh, she was just hoping for Stephanie. I've brought it up again, but I can't wait to get to our first guest today because he is legitimately responsible for many songs that I remember from my childhood that I brought back to my kids' childhood. So let's just get to it, shall we? Our first guest today is a bonafide Canadian treasure. For many, he is the soundtrack of childhood, providing feel-good memories that missing cats would return, that we had company coming, and yes, that it's okay to like sandwiches. A multiple Juno Award winner, he had his own show on CBC that ran for 12 seasons and was picked up in the U.S. by Nickelodeon because, hey, American children deserve nice things too. He also happens to be a member of the Order of Canada and has been dubbed by Billboard magazine as Mr. Multimedia. But more importantly, he has delighted thousands of fans of all ages for decades now. And he's here with us today, Mr. Fred Penner. Yay! 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 I pressed the button. I pressed the right button. Yay! (laughs) Hi, kids. Hi. Hello, Mr. P. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Delight. A pleasure. Thank you. You are coming to us from your home in in Victoria. Is that where we have you from today? No, on on Vancouver Island, uh, sort of... Vancouver close, Island. close to Qualicum Beach, that area. Okay. You don't have to tell us the address, Fred. I should have realized you're too nice. You'll invite everyone over. Don't tell us exactly right. where you are. Come on in. <laughs> I, I feel a new song coming on. Let me start. I like, I pride myself on asking questions that no one else has or could. We have shared the stage twice together, sir. Once when you were gracious enough to come on the debaters and debate that everyone should love singing. <laughs> Which you you want you wipe the floor, Poor Ron? Yeah, you, you killed him. Who were you debating? Ron Sparks, and he's still angry to this day. He might be the only person where if you say the name Fred Penner, he's like that son of because he was angry. Because anyway, you you did that, and then a few years ago, I was fortunate enough to be involved in a before New Year's Eve show, the day before New Year's all ages show with the rock band Colorado and who, who but Fred Penner is on the stage as well. And we shared the stage and sang a song together. Career highlight for me. Likewise, Steve, it was, it was a fabulous day. It was a, I've, I've had such a love, great connection with Colorado and, and Menno and the, uh, and, and Annie, Annie Murphy, Menno's wife for years. And it was, uh, it was such a pleasure to, and they've been so supportive of, of me along the way. I've done some other stuff. With uh, with Colorado in uh, in Edmonton, I think Edmonton and Calgary, we we hung out together and did some playing. It was uh, they're they're a lovely group. But thanks for jogging that memory. Well, you, oh, are you kidding? I, I didn't think it would register for you. <laughs> I said it was a career highlight for me. I'm like, oh yeah, I was on with the, that. Was the first time that my daughter, who was then four, had seen me on stage. And it was going well. And then you came on. And then she's like, who? I don't care about daddy because that man is amazing. I don't even know where to start with you. It's such a vast career. There's so many memories Mm. that are jogged and incredible experiences that you've had. I guess I could start with saying you have children of your own. 
that are adults now, do they realize how good they had it? <laughs> that, that you were their dad singing to them at night? The, actually, we, we were thinking about this the other day that there was one moment in my life where my son, I, I have four children. I have a son who is 40, three girls from 36 down to 30, 36, 33, 30, somewhere in that span. I like it. You just, by the third one, you're like, I don't <laughs> yeah, know, somewhere in the 30s. Was, yeah. was, I'm younger. sure there was another one, but I have no idea where she ended up. But Damien, when he was he was about four years old, and we were sitting together, and I've, I've got a picture of the moment. We were sitting together. He, he's on my lap, and we're watching Fred Penner's place. <laughs> you know, and he's watching this. We, we've done this before, but this was a different moment for whatever reason. So we're watching Fred Penner's place, and all of a sudden he stops, and like his brain is going, "Does not compute. Does not compute. Does not compute." <laughs> and he turns his head and he looks up at me. And then he looks back at the TV and looks up at me, you know, does that double take a couple of times? You know, so he made he made the connection that, that his dad is is on this box that they're they're looking at. It was a it was a beautiful moment. I think as life went by, I didn't play the the Fred Penner card very often. It was, you know, I'm I'm dad. I'm just dad. You're a better man than me in countless ways. But when it comes to that, my, it's not a comparison, daughter, Steve. It's not a comparison. I know. I, I've got to stop trying to compare myself to Fred Penner. I tell myself that every day. But my daughter, when I'll say something that I think is funny at home, she, my oldest daughter is seven now. My youngest is, is two. I started late. It's not important why. But when I tell my seven-year-old something that I think is funny and she doesn't laugh, I, I say to her, you know, people... People pay to hear me tell them jokes. Like you're getting it for free and she's just not impressed at any point. So I'm trying to tell them that I'm a bigger deal than I am. And here you are downplaying yours. So again, another round for Fred Penn. Um, My boyfriend has a seven-year-old. And when I told her what I do for a living, that I'm a comedian, she was like, seriously, you've never made me laugh. Yeah. Like, ooh, uh, uh, okay. Ooh, ooh, I'm my game here. Honesty. Knock, knock jokes That's out. Fred, in my uh, in my research, you come from a background of uh, of education. You had you had some degree in education as well as working with. You know, am I am I incorrect in that? The degree I have is is in economics with a minor in psychology. Psych. That's Psych. It. Oh, oh, you you connected that with education, I suppose. Sure, why mm. not? <laughs> uh, <laughs> where you would get some teaching direction from is I did work at a place called Knowles School for Boys which was anything but a teaching environment. It was, uh, it okay. was a school for behavior problem kids, right. broken families. It was, it was a cottage set up with 13 kids per cottage. And I was essentially a, a glorified house parent. And it was very challenging. It was one of the, I learned a lot, but it was probably one of the most difficult journeys that I've, I've ever made because these kids were just so, so damaged. Right. But I did learn at that time that they loved music. And even these these toughest kids wanted to hear me sing Mr. Bojangles. Hmm. And one night I was putting the kids to bed and this boy came over and he, the kids all had trouble going to sleep because they were finally confronted with their with themselves. And, uh, and then those often were not very pleasant memories. And this, this one kid asked me to sing, Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Papa's going to buy you a mockingbird. If that mockingbird don't sing, pops, you know that that song, very sensitive, delicate little tune, and it was it was in juxtaposition with what this kid had gone through in his life. It really put in perspective another example 
for me of, uh, you know, I have many of them along the way, but of a, of a moment where I saw and I felt that music really can touch a soul and a spirit, you know, even as damaged as some of these kids were. And so you would have been, I'm trying to do the timeline here, you would have been in your, in your 20s at that yeah. time, just before you started touring. I was going to ask that you are legitimately one of the most, if not the most positive and appreciative people that I've ever mm. met in my life. You have an aura about you that says everything's going to be okay, even if you haven't said anything yet. And then once you speak, and certainly once you sing, you just further that mm. along. So I was going to ask you, is it tough in that environment? But you've said that it, you know, it comes from that environment a little bit about taking a negative and turning it around. I appreciate your comment very much, Steve. That, that's very, very kind of you to say that. I don't know where all that came from. I think part of it is, you know, certainly from my family of origin and the things that I dealt with uh, with the father who died very young in my life. Actually, my, my I had a sister who was born with Down syndrome, and she died in uh, in June of 1969, and my dad died in March of 1970. So I had you know mortality checks that were were really well, most powerful transitional points of my life. And that's what drove me into searching for my own bliss, which was, you know, making music and performing. And and right from the beginning, you know, people gave me that kind of encouragement where they said, oh, I, I, you've got a good voice. I like your sound. You know, I like what you're doing. And people would suggest other directions to go. So I felt this constant, this constant wave of appreciation of of liking what I was doing, of encouragement to try other things. And that just led to more touring, more bands. Fred Penner's Place just came out of the blue from CBC. You know, there they were, I, I never looked back after those mortality checks. I said, well, let's see what, let's see what happens. And this is what's happened. Which is incredible to me, but I, and I still think speaks to the, the power of your positivity. Did you ever set... <laughs> guidelines and, and guideposts along the way, because I don't think there really were those guideposts in children's music in saying, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to entertain this many people for this many years. I'm going to do a show yeah. on CBC about it. You didn't set any of those guideposts. You just did what you, what you do so yeah. well. And people came to you. Is that, that true? That's absolutely true. I, I, I have never had a plan. And <laughs> I, I've, I've never had a plan. And the, and things in spite of that, Things have worked out, and wow. I am. I feel so blessed with the way this life has unfolded. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited about life. I'm still very optimistic and positive. As insane as this journey, this this planet is going, I still really try and find some of the positivity along along the way. It's becoming more and more challenging to maintain the kind of positive energy that I've always felt and wanted to bring forward. But uh, but I'm working on it. Please never stop, sir, because uh, it's honestly, it's, it's an experience <laughs> to see uh, my my daughter was, as I said, four at the time. This is only going back a few years. This is not going back a long time. And just the magic that you bring to the stage, mm. the second that you hit it, the energy is already there. You come on. It's already it's like you come on mid song. There's no, OK, <laughs> let's do something today. Everyone immediately smiles Everyone is immediately in the mood to move and to sing along. The only other time I felt it, I can honestly say, is I did a show at Just for Laughs one year that was hosted by the Muppets. <laughs> and I was on 
first <laughs> after the Muppets, and they did the opening number for the Muppets. Yeah, with 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 the multiple row of Muppets. And let me tell you how quickly that feeling died oh, when my. I, a human being, walked into their dream. So it wasn't. The same, the, the, the feel good was there and I killed it. Uh, at least at this time, I was able to piggyback onto the feel good that you, that you oh, brought. Sweet. You were um, able to miss piggyback is what you're saying. Oh, hey. well said, Diana. <laughs> she is on her nice, game today. That, that made me smile. Ah, there you go. <laughs> that, you know, I was going to say, this is incredible when I look back and I look back at your Juno just the Juno award-winning history. Your first Juno was in 1989 yeah. and most recent one in 2018. <laughs> You've been making music at the top of your game that long. Do you ever sit back and think to yourself, I've entertained thousands and thousands of Canadian children and their parents and those children have now become parents and conceivably now could be grandparents taking them to my shows, you ever think to yourself, Aunt, yeah, let me sit back and you guys entertain me for a change. Has that ever thought exactly. ever occurred to you, Fred? I, I try not to think about that. As my wife puts aptly, whenever that question sort of comes up, you know, just imagining how much impact I may have had on multiple generations, she says, it's none of your business. Oh, wow. <laughs> a phrase that she's learned and shared with me, and I, I, I take it to heart because truly, I had no idea where this was going to go. I had no idea that that a TV series was going to, you know, run on for twelve, thirteen years, almost a thousand episodes. Wow. I had no idea that I would tour, you know, all over the United States and have been a couple of trips across the pond. That that was never again part of any plan that, that I worked with. I fell into this because of the mortality check, and I gave my all. I did it to the best of my ability. I, I sang and I played and I, I just, I grew as a performer along the way. I, I did a lot of acting, you know, in the in the 70s as well, from, you know, musical comedy to Death of a Salesman, a full range of things. Oh, wow. And I know much of what I bring to the stage is what I learned during those experiences, and particularly in engaging with an audience and maybe this is part of part of the trip is when I'm on stage, and this was something that I learned from from the theater world is when you are on stage, the person at the back of the theater should feel as close and connected as the person in the front, and and I took that to heart. So when I'm on stage, I'm scanning the front, the middle, the back, the balcony. I've got a part for you to sing, you know. So it's it's mm. really making everybody feel that they are part of this. Uh, of this event, of this experience, and hopefully you you know they they take that home with them and and share it, and you know, share the experience with with their with their family for for days, years to come. Who knows? That's such a wise thing that your wife said it that it's that it's not it's none of your business. <laughs> like that's such a it's such a simple <laughs> statement, but it's so apropos for people in the arts because we can so easily get wrapped up in things exactly. that are not our business. Uh, what people think about us yeah. and and. I think it's important to know how your art is landing for sure, but sure. there's got to be a cutoff point. I completely, completely agree. And, and it's it's a pitfall. It's a true pitfall for performers to think that they are actually making that difference and their energy will grow to try and do that. Because if that ever stops, if they suddenly are not able to get in front of an audience to do what they want to do, 
there's nothing to to fall back on. They have no mm-hmm. foundation. There's no grounding that's going to carry them forward. They will come lost, and uh, and who knows what dark places they go after that. Let's talk about that because that describes the last year and a half of my life perfectly. <laughs> no live performances. Fortunately, doing virtual performances, yeah. but those, Fred, it's tough enough with you know you bring that energy and you you feed from the energy of the crowd. Let me tell you mm-hmm. something as a comic entertaining the apps on your computer screen <laughs> does not compare to the live audience. And, you know, at least you can get lost in your own music. Yeah. It's tough to get lost in your own jokes when there's no reaction. So yeah. I do wonder about that because you have a massive live performance schedule that I, I saw you talking about. You guys were at the beautiful Windspear Theater yeah. in Edmonton when the shutdown happened. Yeah. And you have this live slate of events that it suddenly aren't going to happen and no one knows for how long. And now we're, we're starting to come out of it, but it's still going to be a little ways. Yeah. How have you coped with this past year and a half? It's been fascinating in many ways, to say the least. <laughs> Whenever, I have to remember who I'm talking to. When you say something that starts with F, I know where it's not going to go because it's Fred Fascinating. <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> there have been truly many unbelievably positive things that have come from this for me the main the main one is the depth of connection that my wife and i have have gotten into in this time uh ray ellen Bodie is my wife this is my second marriage we've been together for 10 years married for five and ray works with actors helping them become better actors and 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 working on particular roles or things she's also an mbsr instructor mindfulness-based stress reduction, something that is somewhat timely now. And so I I benefit from much of what she does and the the importance of empathy, the importance of focus, the importance of true, honest communication. And and I had to go deep with a lot of the stuff that I have, you know, going back to, again, family of origin and and, and just things that messed up back then that, that caused certain modes of behavior. So basically, I have learned so much about myself in this last year and a half, and so much more about Ray Ellen in the last year and a half. And when things when things shut down, I start, you know I did inevitably start looking back and and realize. And I don't know if I put this into actual words before, but I've been on the road for forty five years yeah. since the mid seventies. This is all I've done. Yeah. I've packed up my guitar, my my suitcase. Hopped in a car or or a train or a bus or an airplane. I've booked hotels. I've got rental cars. I've been in that world for four decades plus. Yeah. And all of a sudden, no, Mr. Penner, you get to sit in front of a computer, in front of this <laughs> microphone, and make some music. And so when I've done it now, because I'm not getting that response, because I'm not having to project to an audience of thousands of people, right. you know, it's all coming in. And I, and I feel that inward energy, which has allowed me to bring my music down, you know, to allow me to to mm. play, you know, in the course of a of a concert, I'll I'll rarely actually do a little solo, but when I'm on on a you know on a virtual thing, why not? You know, pe- people are paying attention. They they can't go anywhere. You know, unless they, you know. where would they go? Where they're at their if home. They're, they're if they want to watch, they watch. If they don't, you know. learned, I have learned that if you walk a crowd and they're at their house, like if they yeah. leave, 
Uh, you've really done something because they left their home to get out of the show. You know? we, we were talking about this a little bit before we started the interview here that you said you took the time as well to improve on your guitar playing, which I already thought was great. So you took that time to improve yourself. And now you're talking about how the style of music has changed a little bit for you with these introspectives. So do you is there now going to be new Fred Penner music coming at us out of out of this? Oh, there it is. I could. Oh, he's got a guitar, everybody. So it's getting jazzy. It's becoming my my default thing when, when I'm playing. You know, I, I mean, the I'm I'm getting to just extract. I'm getting yeah. much more into the into the finger picking room, and I'm not in tune anymore. I'm not going to play this <laughs> because it's not projecting. Normally, when I'm on stage, it's with a, with a guitar pick. So I'm because I'm the only rhythm instrument. Usually, it's either solo right. or with a with a backup player. But it's it. I'm driving the sound, so it's the pick driving. But now. Just sitting around the house, if I'm going to play the guitar, I don't want to use picks. So my finger picking has become so much better. My Travis picking, if you know what that is. I don't. It's a technique of uh, of, okay. of thumb on the bass strings and your first, second, or first, second, and third fingers playing melody lines at the same time. Hmm. It's an old technique. Any guitar player, most guitar players know what Travis picking is. And it's really a good exercise to build the strength of your hands and your accuracy of playing and that. So I've I've spent a lot of time doing that the last while. And it is going to make a, a, a difference with the next recording that I do. And it will happen. I'm excited about where this is going to, going to take me because I feel like I've I've grown exponentially musically. Who knows where this will go, but it will be fascinating. Can I just say this is unfair? <laughs> To the rest of us, because Fred, you've already established it's been five decades. You've been at the top. You haven't just played music. You've you have improved so many lives and had kids just enthused and taken them out of dark places with your music. And you continue to evolve, which is great. But also stop it for a second. Let me try to catch up with something. No, I don't know what Travis picking it. I I got my daughter a ukulele. I can't even play that at all. So I sing to her and we sing your songs together and thank you again for it. I do want to hear what a feel good Fred Penner jazz album sounds like because jazz could use some cheering up sometimes is what I'm saying. I hear you, Stephen. I'll do my best. (laughs) Let me just say this podcast talks about the Canadian star system as it were. And we don't have many that have had a successful Canadian show to their credit that ran for so many seasons and so many episodes and also went down to the United States, was on Nickelodeon, a whole new market of children there in the U.S. How difficult was that to make a television show that when you're so used to live performance to have to say, oh, the camera is now the thousands of people that I'm used to entertaining? Well, that that's an interesting point. What Doing the series was was a, certainly a highlight of my life because creatively, I was writing music on a, really on a daily basis for the episodes that we did along the way. We, we you know the, the first couple of years we were doing a lot of cover stuff, but then it moved into me actually writing songs 
for the series. So I, I was able to really tap on that creative process for myself. And it was, it was fascinating. I loved, I loved doing the, doing the series. One of the techniques that was really critical in, in the process of doing the series, and the director and I were very simpatico on this one. When I'm in the midst of, you know, and sometimes we, we, we'd be doing like, uh, three, four, sometimes five shows in a day, 15 minute episodes where, and, and you're God. shifting gears going there. Shifting gears, change the blocking. It, you know, it got like that. <laughs> and I would sometimes just, just sort of blank out a bit because my brain is working. Where do I go next? What's the lyric to this song? What's that chord progression? I would start right. to lose it a bit, and the director would send a word down to the floor director, who would come to me, just look at me, and say, "One child, one child." Hmm. And that's what I did most of the time anyway, was the camera was not going to thousands and thousands of, of, of watchers. You got to think of it as only going to one child. So that, that changes the energy and, and, it, and it brings it into, hi, hey, it's good to see you. It's great to see you. Come on in. I got to show you something. You know, and, and you go into that level and it's, oh, he's, ta he's talking to me. Talking to me. You know, and, yeah. and that, was so valuable, you know, as a performer to bring that to that camera. And, and I do think that that is none of my business, notwithstanding. Hmm. I do think that that was part of what connected with the watchers, with the audience over the time, because they felt like they really were engaged with, with this guy on TV. That is absolutely great advice. And you do carry that up. Immediately, that becomes true, that when you are speaking to someone they're the most important person in the world, especially to children. So let me just ask, before we bring on your featured guest that you've been kind enough to bring to along today, what drove you to go into children's music? And did you face a little bit of criticism or backlash or, or resistance at all from other musicians at first? It is an interesting market within the music industry mm. that not many people can, can pull off successfully. So did you face any roadblocks at all going into that? Well, there were, because I in the 70s, I was touring with a comedy show band with Al Simmons, who mm. you may know, mm. and, and we were, I know we covered, that. basically Toronto to Calgary was our, was our span, mid-Canada, and we were doing a 10-minute Sesame Street sketch. We were doing sandwiches mm. was part of our mm. set list, and we'd get into some, some very funny, foolish, foolish things, but not <laughs> specifically for children. It was for the drunk pub audience. Who, who loved it. You know? it, it I don't, <laughs> do you see a lot of overlap in that? Because I, I do now that I have kids, for sure. <laughs> exactly. I, you know, I was learning a lot of really good performing skills from Al and, and being in that band. And then later, later in the 70s, my ex and I, we were working in a children's theater company, which, uh, which ultimately led to an offer from, uh, from a benefactor in Winnipeg to do a children's album. And that led to the cat came back, and and uh, mm. and that led to working mm. with Rafi, and that just opened up, you know, the whole world. But as far as your initial question was, yes, absolutely, I took I took flack from from people saying this is your your default. That's all you can do is children's mm. music. Oh, why, right. why don't you do something, some adult music, you know, something, right. you know, is your heart not there? And the reaction that I had to that was, a song is a song. 
when I when I sit down and and write and write a melody and write a lyric, I'm going to the core of my being to say that as best as I possibly can. And whatever song you do, you got to go through the same process. So just because my music is trying to touch on emotions or feelings or or whatever that have some depth to it, you know, songs like Proud or Courage or or Humility. I mean, m- more recent tunes that I've done. That's where you want to go. You, you you want to criticize me for not becoming an adult performer, <laughs> you know? When when the reverse seems to work all right, when Bare Naked Ladies put out a children's album and it goes through the roof, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, so what? Yeah, I have been gratified with my creative process from the beginning. You know, I've never felt that I had to compromise my style, my my energy, and at this point, I I feel that the music that I've worked on is going to take a decidedly more adult direction. But who knows? Sir, whatever you do from this point on, you've you've earned it. You've you've not only blazed a trail, you've made you've you've essentially been a, a one-man industry onto yourself. Mm-hmm. And again, a very classy answer of a song is a song. Because what I would have said, if someone said that to me, I would have said, I can't hear you. I got four Junos in my ears. And then I would say something else that you would never say. Just like the cat who made Fred Penner famous, we'll be right back. Hey, listeners, Steve Patterson here, co-host of the podcast that you're currently listening to. You know, as a working comedian in Canada, it's my job to make sure that everyone who ever listens to me is happy. No, 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 that's not your job at all. So I make sure to read all the online comments to everything I do. Definitely don't do that. And respond personally to every negative comment that anyone has ever written about. Oh, no, never do that. Of course, that can take an emotional toll on a creator, so I've come up with a brand new business. You have? Yeah, it's called None of Your Business Business. How does it work? I'm glad you asked. They didn't. Whenever you feel yourself wanting to reply to some guy named Kleber, who gave your podcast a two-star review saying, I tried, but I was just bored. Making you want to stalk them online, find out where they work, and bombard their customer reviews with, Oh yeah, well your security guarding is boring me, Cleaver, you piece of- Steve, knock it off. What he thinks is none of your business. See? working already, Diana, the none of your business business, where I teach you to avoid online comments from nasty haters like I avoid work emails from Diana. Steve, I really wish you would read those because it makes my life a lot easier if you just- They're none of my business, Diana. And that is why we're not getting enough business. Oh. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And now back to our chat with Fred Penner. We're going to go to a section now called Quick Questions. Quick Questions. Question number one. Do you really love sandwiches that much? And what is the most you have eaten in a single setting? Or if you prefer, all at once. Yes, I do. Two. <laughs> Two sandwiches at once. Okay. Finally, I found something I can do more of than Fred Penner. <laughs> I can easily eat four it's sandwiches not a comparison. in a sitting. It is, Fred. <laughs> My whole life is. <laughs> What would the show Fred Penner's Place look like today, do you think? That's a, that's a tough, quick answer. I would hope it would be the same. The environment was so exciting to play in that environment, that natural environment. I mean, being, being where I am now, surrounded by, by trees and green, that's something that we all need more of. You know, right now, get, get out of the urban insanity and find, find a green space to, to chill. Well said. Yep, I agree. Other than myself, who are some of your favorite Canadian performers that you've shared the stage with? Jim Cuddy. He's all Devin right. Devin Cuddy. Trooper. Trooper, I yeah. love it. <laughs> we, we, we did a gig together, or I, I did a guest spot on their set on, out in St. Mary's, Newfoundland for their Blueberry Festival, doing the George Strombolopoulos show. Strombolopoulos. Uh, yeah. Sloan. Oh, yes, nice. I love Sloan. We uh, did some work with Sloan at, at the Junos in Ottawa many years ago. Wow. Yeah, and the and the person who is going to be coming up shortly, I've been yes. with him and uh and those are certainly memorable moments. Do you realize that every time every time that you share the stage with someone, that's their story. They're like <laughs> I was on with Fred Penn. So just just know that. That's what I'm I'm living off. Can't that wait till we have Jim Cuddy and he tells us his story of working with Fred <laughs> He's gonna be, He will. He will tell that. For all the parents out there with young children who are uh, huge fans of yours, they've gone through a very anxious time this past year and a half. Yeah. And I'm, I'm including myself in this with young kids at home for over, over a year. What is your advice for staying positive to those parents? Like I've got advice. Mm -hmm. Staying positive has to come down to Paying attention and listening to your kids, listening to what they are really saying to you, listening to what they really need in, in their day to day. You know, you, you take care of their basic needs, you know, the food and shelter and books to read, but, but really sitting down with them and, and, and answering the question as, or asking the question as 
deeply as you possibly can. How are you? How are you doing today? How are you feeling today? Then you get really an understanding of, of what the child is going through. And then you can grow in relationship. And that's that's the key is you want your relationship with your kids to to blossom and to to be stronger and and more and more positive. And when you know what you're dealing with, then it's then it's easier to be more positive, I think. Well, that is great advice. Do you have any advice for, and this is just hypothetical, if your children are always running away from you, <laughs> how to make eye contact? Is there a way to get in front of them? Harnesses. <laughs> in a word. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, I, need, I needed that advice. These two are fill in the blank, and then we're bringing on our other guest uh, with you, please. Don't go anywhere, Fred, if you don't have to. Okay, I this is a fill in the blank. The Canadian star system is? Barely existent. Yes. <laughs> you want short answers. I, you know. No, that's, that's honest. I agree with you. I'm not, uh, there's no right or wrong here. It's just your perspective, you know. And uh, <laughs> living next door to the United States is like? Having a flat above a cesspool. <laughs> <laughs> now that's the Fred Penner song I want to hear. Please put it to jazz. Those are all our questions for you for now, Mr. Penner. Could you please... Introduce us to the guests you've brought with you today. I, I, I will indeed. This gentleman is a, a dear, dear Winnipegger. He's been around for not 40 years, but mm. a, a long enough period of time that, that I've watched him grow and develop. He used to come over to our place when we'd have music parties, and I was immediately impressed with his musical ability, with his energy, with, with his delight in what he was doing. He had, has a great sense of humor. He's a person who I want to get to know better. And we've done a couple of things recently that have, have gone that direction. So I am, uh, I'm really, really pleased and honored that he has accepted this, uh, this invitation to be here. And if you don't know this man, I hope that you track down his music and, uh, and just get to know him a little bit better, like I do. His name is J.P. Ho. Yay! There he is. Hi, J.P. Well, hi. Hi, J.P. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I can hear you loud and clear. I have no Junos to impede my hearing. <laughs> yes. You've been, we should be fine. You've been listening in. Thank you for your patience. But man, I could talk to... I don't, not every day you get to sit down and talk to, to Fred Penner. Maybe you do. I've never been invited to a music party. That's another thing. He never invites me, no. but uh, he invites you all the time. I remember like the very first one, there was a table that had hors d'oeuvres. And I remember, you know, creeping on Fred from afar. <laughs> and this was my first time in his house and going, oh, he's an olive and soft cheese man. And trying to, trying to make as many, you know, mental notes so that we'd have something to talk about later on. And it just, it turned out to be this, you know, wild opportunity to, to see, oh, celebrities are, they're people. They're just, they're normal people. And luckily this one happens to be extraordinarily kind and and played a big part in my life, and and he's let us, he's let me in, and and so uh, that's kind of where we started, and it's grown into a really cool friendship ever since. Yeah, I would watch that show, Fred Penner's Actual Place, <laughs> where you just watch what yeah. he what he eats as appetizers, and, and then what is that? Is he is he snorting glitter? My God, <laughs> JP, let's just get this out of the way yeah. right out of the gate. JP Ho is your name. Mm -hmm. Coming up with a name like that, did you have a lot of kids, a lot of immature young adults go, ha ha, your name is JP. Did you have a lot of that? <laughs> we definitely had to fight our way through it as teenagers and 
and grade seven and grade eight. But, you know, one of my odd goals was to make sure like was to, you know, work really hard and try to embrace and, you know, define myself just like my dad and my grandpa did on who we were instead of the jokes that are immediate that come with our name and and make sure that like my kids and and my wife and my daughter they wouldn't ever you know feel any of the burden of the dumb people and uh, so it, it's worked out okay and i have to say i love that you you released a holiday album in 2020 and the first track is ho 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 which, which <laughs> i love it works perfectly was that in the plans already or did you find yourself with more time not having the live performances which are obviously taken away to work on, a, on another album like that that album sort of it came from the show that started about 15 years ago as, as just an opportunity to like use my name for marketing purposes and to try and create a show at christmas and then 15 years later there's this batch of the goal is to try and write a new song or an original holiday song every every year. And I'd already released one EP and then it was the stack of songs that sort of built up. And and last year sort of felt like, why not? Let's let's send it out into the world. Everything's kind of a weird void vacuum. But if this makes a few people feel good, then then it can't hurt. I mean, there's there's a song all about Fred Penner's holiday party. <laughs> <laughs> called olives and soft cheese <laughs> don't follow fred to the washroom yeah. uh, a second this time is, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is this is taking a turn this real this interview is taking a turn i gotta bring it back jp how would you categorize your own music i don't even know if it's important to categorize it but i've had a chance to go down the JP wormhole. And as Fred says, I hope everyone after they hear this goes and listens to your music if they haven't heard it already, because it's fantastic. You have an amazing voice. Well, and you. although the music is in obviously a different style than Fred's, it is still what I would call feel good music with lessons in it. You know, there's there's folk, there's there's country, there's pop. Yeah. How would you describe your own music? Is that even important? You know, I don't know if it's important. I think initially, just if people say, oh, what do you play? I, I say adult alternative. And for me, like my contemporaries are artists that write, I guess, like pop songs that don't have a place on the radio. <laughs> it's right. not a great, it's not a great business move. But uh, <laughs> I think of like in the States, like there's my, one of my favorite songwriters in the world is Amy Mann. And Amy Mann has this cr incredible career that has spanned decades, even though, you know, none of her stuff is ever going to make it on the radio. And she just writes these wonderful songs. You know, I grew up listening to folk music, and then I grew up listening to Radiohead. And so I sort of found myself like living somewhere in between, figuring it as long as it feels good to me, uh, as long as it feels honest to me, then I'm okay with it. And I'll, I'll be fine if whenever I have to leave this career, I'll look back and go, you know what? That's just who I was at that moment. And that's great. And then so forth and so forth. And I never, you know, look back and go, ah, I wish I wouldn't have, you know, put together that disco country album. <laughs> it, it sort of falls into the singer songwriter world, which is, is a real luxury because you then get to do, you know, anything you want. Now, let me ask you, this is a question for both of you. We'll start with you, JP. Mm -hmm. There's this ongoing uh, 
dilemma in the music industry, certainly with no, with no one being able to tour for the last little while, the importance has been put on sales of, of your music somehow. With right. the streaming services, they seem to be both helping and hindering to a degree. They're getting the music out there, but for it to really make returns and paying, literally there has to be millions of, of downloads for it to add up. Do you feel thankful that there's an opportunity to put your music out there as soon as, as you feel it's ready? Or are you on the side of there's too much music out there? There should be some sort of, of step for people whose music shouldn't be out there. Oh, that's a good question. You know, ultimately, the, the current model right now, it's not, it's not one that can be sustained by any independent artist. Because every time you put out that single, sure, you can put it out, you know, inexpensively to the world. But do you have $10,000 to market that single? Right. If not, it goes into the vacuum and then it's, it's gone. And I know that like the, the owner of Spotify or the CEO, whatever, he said, you know, all artists have to do is just put a song a month. And, and that's, <laughs> you know, that's great for his, you know, situation because he wants fresh content, fresh content, fresh content. But on our end of things, it's totally and completely unsustainable. And like you said, it takes a million streams to make $3,000. Yeah. And so I don't know anybody who is surviving off of that or that streaming has found a way to make up for the loss of, of hard sales. So I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm still thankful that maybe I got in around 2003 when people were still buying stuff and I've been able to carry them a little bit longer with me. If I were, God, if I were 16 right now or 18 and I was about to get into the music business, I have no idea what advice I would share with them on how to make this a a feasible business model. Maybe Fred's got a great answer and can solve this. Fred's usually got a great yeah. answer. Fred is Mr. Multimedia, according to yeah. Billboard magazine, yeah, which I wish I would have known to introduce you with. What do you think, Fred? Because in all honesty, your music always seems to find its audience because it's passed on from generation to generation anyway. But are are you finding new audiences now through through a multimedia or what? I've never had airplay. Occasionally, a song will pop up on, on some program. Mm -hmm. I have no radio play. I have nothing. My sales have been point of purchase. You know, it's just, just direct off the stage. And, and that, has been, that has been really good. And I concur with, with what JP is saying. My concern with, with the industry is a couple of things. Is, is it's too easy for somebody with a, with a computer and a, and, a, and a microphone, a couple of things, to put a song out there into the world before they're ready. They've not paid, and I, I hate the phrase, but I'm going to use it, paid their dues. They've they've not yeah. been out there. They've not been doing the gigs. They don't really know what they're doing. They think, oh, I've got a great song here, and it's going to make a million dollars. And, you know, they do it. <laughs> and maybe it does. <laughs> Making music is a business. It should not be that easy to go through. You, you need to work on your process. But the, yes. the frustration that I, that I feel is is it's so inequitable a million hits, so you get three grand. There's no balance financially. I mean, back in the early days with A&M and Sony, and, and you signed with them, and all of a sudden, you have got a list of recoupables that is a couple of arm's length. So you, you never really see any money coming out of that unless you get into, you know, gazillion, gazillion sales. So mm -hmm. it, it is not fair to the creative musician 
financially in in this in this business, and that and that really is really frustrating. I have no idea if this works or not, but a new strategy that I've been doing lately is I have on my Spotify uh, a playlist of all my liked songs that are all like indie Canadian artists. I tend to write to it. It's my favorite playlist that I have. And I just, and I, when I leave my office, I just turn the volume down (laughs) and I just leave it on so that it just continually (gasps) cycles through this list of like 20, 30 songs. (laughs) And there's a part of me that, you know, I I also try and do my part and, you know, buy albums when I can on, on iTunes, but even that is changing a lot. I'm learning now that go to Bandcamp. I like to think that I'm circumnavigating the system somehow. <laughs> you are single-handedly holding us all together. <laughs> I hope so. Thank you, Dan. I, I do like tend to play Canadian playlists a lot to learn about new Canadian mm-hmm. music. And there's a satellite station called The Verge, which plays mostly Canadian music. So I do my part, and it's not really to do my part. I just happen to like a lot of Canadian music, and I do want to support the local artists. So. Look, are Diana and I heroes? Probably. I guess that's the final answer of that. <laughs> you know what? I would be remiss if I had Fred and JP on here not and didn't didn't get a word out there for the Winnipeg music and arts scene. I just came back from Winnipeg a couple of weeks ago. The comedy festival was on. We taped at the gas station theater. I was there for for the whole week, Tuesday through Saturday. I invited Fred and Fred said, screw you. I'm in, I'm on Vancouver Island. I don't want to come to your little skits. No, of course he didn't say that. He would have come, I know, if he was in town. I always find it a really lively comedy scene. And there's a local improv group that's always part of the festival. The local comedians are always great. And I get the feeling that there's a great art scene. And JP, it seems to flesh out in what I've seen of your music. There's collaborations with each other. It seems to be a great scene. Can you tell the rest of the world a little bit more about Winnipeg's current music scene and why they should pay attention to it? Absolutely. The whole you know concept of long winters and and sort of being isolated, it really is part of like, at least for me, the musical DNA in that everybody that I know that I that I came up with in, you know, cutting my teeth, nobody was trying to mimic. Nobody was trying to emulate what what, what else was going on somewhere else. Everyone said, you know what, they don't care. They don't care about us anyway. So let's make music that makes us, you know, incredibly happy. The catch 22 is that because we're so isolated, it's that much more difficult to get an audience with, you know, anybody that has the power to to change your life. But I think overall, I don't know too many artists who would change how they've they've done things. And and so we've got this we've got this incredible group of people that every few years there's like a new crop. Of, of of aspiring artists and right now is we're flush with incredible people there's mm-hmm. there's begonia there's the landers brothers there's william prince the, the names i could i could go on but i won't we're just we're very lucky that nobody here feels any external pressure everyone just wants to make enough to pay their mortgage and to uh to get mm-hmm. to the next month and make what it is they want to make without being told otherwise and so we're okay we're okay. I highly encourage people to to check out. There's probably a playlist from manitobamusic.com. Um, and uh, yeah, give it a go. And Fred, yeah. what's been your experience over the years? I mean, obviously, you've traveled the country and the world now, but in the Winnipeg, the Winnipeg scene in your in your description, what, has it always been supportive like that? I, absolutely. You know, JP's right with the the, uh, the, the, the cold winters. You, you, you hibernate. 
you know, we do hibernate mm-hmm. and uh, hide in the basement and and make the music without the immediate influences uh, around you. That may be changing a little bit, but yeah, I mean, in the early days you know, when we only had one television channel, you know, and 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 the radio was even less, that you weren't feeling the pressure from from L.A. or from Toronto or from New York or you know, you really had this beautiful little pocket of creativity that performers could just get together and say, oh, I learned this song, I learned that, without worrying about genre, without worrying about, is it going to fit in with the with the playlist, mm. you know, uh, direction. So a lot of originality has grown from Winnipeg and continues to grow from Winnipeg, because Winnipeg is, is as JP pointed out, the center of the universe, I agree. it's that what he said it's i've heard it described as the gateway to the west which always confuses me because how do they know what direction i was heading? it could be the gateway to the east jp i have to get this out there we we spoke briefly before we started recording but i i sat down and watched the video for beautifully crazy and then i watched it four times it is a beautiful piece of art onto itself it's a beautiful song but it's such, I don't want to give anything away. It's a simple idea executed brilliantly. And it seems to star, if I'm not incorrect, most of the people in Manitoba. <laughs> Is anyone in Manitoba not in that video? How did that all come together? And uh, have you entered that, in all honesty, in video awards, if those things exist? Because it it is an amazing calling card and a beautiful piece of art. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I feel like I'm underprepared. I forget our director's name, but... We went to Chinatown in downtown Winnipeg and we found we rented out a street and without giving too much away, the, the video, sh- the shoot itself took 13 seconds um, <laughs> and we just had to do 13 seconds over and over and over again. And then when you watch it, you will realize how incredible 13 seconds can be. And it was nice, like, you know, everybody who came to participate, it was just an open call of, hey, if you want to be a part of, you know, one of my songs, like, please be a part of it. And it was easy to fill it up. And it it really speaks to what a great place this has been to be an artist and to feel that support and be able to develop and make my way through it as whatever pace I need to go at. And I've asked this question to musicians before. I'd love to get your take on it. How important are videos now to music? You do want to have something out there. Everyone, Everyone's got a camera to make a video in their pocket now. So how... What's right. the pressure on a musician to make a video? I, I mean, currently right now, I'm in the middle of making, like, recording, finishing up a new record. And I know that in my head, I've got this idea of I would really love to make a video for every song and then have all those videos sort of work together as if they were one large piece of art or one large film. And I know that you have to find, you have to find something. Everything is so immediate. I'm not as interested in, you know, doing little clips of me playing guitar on Instagram just because mm-hmm. I want to make sure that whatever I put out, it's a good quality. But people need it, you know, like everything <laughs> is just, if they can't see you, if they can't see you at that very second, you're dead to them. And uh, <laughs> so it's it's a little more cutthroat than it probably was before. A little more, a whole lot more expensive to make good quality videos and, you know, with good ideas as opposed to, you know, same old, same old. I mean, that's just a legitimate challenge that everybody deals with. It's a, that's even playing field for sure. 
I just, I mean, I, I hope everyone goes to see it beautifully crazy. And all I'll say, all, all I will say of it is that I think you're very talented to be able to ride your bike that slow. <laughs> because for me, I would, I'd fall over for sure. So I was very impressed. Last question for you, JP. The gentleman that brought you on had mm-hmm. a show on CBC and into the States for many, many years. If CBC came a calling and they said, all right, we'll give you a shot at the JP Ho show. Any ideas for that, of the setting for it? Oh, I would love that. The setting okay. of that. I mean, so Fred was outside. We have yeah, to be really nature. fresh. He's so lucky that the guitar never got stolen too. It was always just in a cave. <laughs> I mean, maybe I would be entering like, I don't know, like a, an, an abandoned TV station, but coming through the ventilation system. <laughs> And every day I would fall through in a in a different area and then flick the switch on and hey, hey there. Hey there. And we'd have product placement all over the place. Uh, yeah, it would I there's potential. There's- I think you are I think you're onto something. Trust me when I tell you that if CBC's got a lot of room in their building that's abandoned if you want it. And they like anything they can film within their own building. They are big fans of that. So gentlemen, thank you so much. JP, let me ask you, what's up for you next? Is live touring opening up again? You know, uh we've got our our big show at our big holiday show at the at a large theater in Winnipeg um in Christmas time. And that's gonna be sort of the first re-engagement back. I've got an eight-year-old and I've got a three-year-old and and my wife works full-time making COVID vaccination drugs. So I'm not... How do we not get into that? Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I, we sort of, we've, we've agreed that I will get to go back, but, you know, I need to make sure that if anything happens here when I'm away, like that's just, that's chaos that could have been yeah. avoided. And so having the cover of waiting for the record to get manufactured I'm just going to sort of stay put and make sure all my ducks are in a row so that hopefully come next summer, if we're breathing a sigh of relief, if all the kids are vaccinated and we're starting to move in a good direction and I can leave without being a bad husband, then I will go. But I got to just sort of bide my time and sort of look at the bigger picture. Good for you, brother. And Fred, what about you? My I've got a, cu- a couple of projects uh, that, that are in the works, actually. There's one that the JP and I were involved with recently. It's called the Route 90 Sessions, Route and 90. I interviewed uh, six Winnipeg performers, including okay. including the Landreth Brothers and William Prince and and Begonia and Al oh, Simmons right. and and JP and Sierra Noble as well was part of that. I know, yeah. Sierra. So yeah. so we this is a, a series that'll be on Bell at some some point. That was a, a new a new departure. So I played with that, and there's some other little projects that are working on an audio book with some people and. You know, so there's no there's no end of of things to do. I'm finding ways to you know to continue to be creative and to try and make something new. But I, I'm glad you mentioned JP's Christmas show because they they have been some of the high highlights and high points for so many people in Winnipeg every year because it it's so full of imagination. JP works really hard at the at the staging and the the quirky things are in a full band, horn section, strings. I mean, it's really massive what he puts together. And and the quality of it is uh, is second to none. So uh, if you're anywhere near Winnipeg in the middle of middle of December, check that out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I've said 
you know, deeply enough how, how much I really appreciate JP's talent and, and his ability to, uh, to connect with an audience. It's, you're, you're a good man and you're a very talented soul, JP, and I love you dearly. Thanks, Fred. I learned from the best, and uh, I appreciate you and everything you've been able to instill in, in this reckless man. You know what? You two, <laughs> you're really honest to God. Seriously. You know what, Steve? I respect on, you, no, just and I love you. Stop it. Oh, forget it. Forget it. Fred's interview show is probably better than mine, too. I get it, Penner. You're funny. You're great. All your friends are funny and great. You're all better dads than me. That's it for this week. Thanks for coming to the Star System. It's not a comparison. <laughs> If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to listen to our past Annie Murphy episode where she tells the story of how her mother got Fred Penner to star in Annie's web series. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts. The Canadian Star System is produced by Diana Francis and Steve Patterson in association with the Apostrophe Podcast Network. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit our website at canadianstarsystem.ca where you can find links to their work and their socials. Speaking of socials, you can follow at Canadian Star Pod and at Apostrophe Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our editor and sound technician is Donovan Deschner of Fracture Ephemer Productions. Music by Mark Camilleri of Imagine Sound Studios. Special thanks to Terry O'Reilly, Debbie O'Reilly, Callie O'Reilly, and Nancy Patterson, who is an honorary O'Reilly. And since we're doing such a good job of listening to the credits, there's a bonus clip for you after Steve sings it out. So give it up to these good nubs Because our self-promotion sucks And if they all went away You sure would miss them The Canadian Star System Knowing that I was going to have a, a, delight, a delightful chance to sit down with a few minutes uh, for, for you today. I can't form sentences. <laughs> Donovan, edit that into something that sounds right. I'm starstruck with Fred, and I'm putting words in order wrong I am. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.